continues their acquisition spree. A distribution slap fight involving hard Mountain Dew. A defense of the cold IPA. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, where I'm happy to announce we've just been acquired by Elon Musk, which means that finally, finally, this podcast can be a bastion of free speech. On a related note, Elon Musk is so insecure. <clears throat> Elon Musk is so insecure. How insecure is he? Elon Musk is so insecure that... And then he did a little bit of... With a horse, no less. I'm Jeremy Jones. <laughs> I'm Tyler Zimmerman, and that was a good one. I didn't know where you were going, but that was a good one. At first, I thought my headphones went out, and I was like, "God damn it, not again!" I, I, feel, like, I felt like there was an even chance that you would that, that you would uh, 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 think that, but no, it was for comic effect. Uh, how are you, Tyler? We're well, um, Jeremy. I'm doing good, and with him starting to charge for a blue check mark. It's all beer may now finally be blue checkmark certified. <laughs> I mean, we're not, nor am I intending to pay for that. If it comes down to that, we don't do enough on Twitter to warrant eight bucks unless you want to kick in four bucks a month. Part of me kind of wants to pay just for one month and then cancel it and just take like a screenshot and put that as our profile picture <laughs> with the blue checkmark. Just just so that we can we could have been verified at some point in time. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um, uh, uh, somebody brought a beer this week. Uh, Lewis and Clark Brewing out of uh, Montana, um, uh, Helena, Montana, uh, uh, brought us their uh, uh, neighborhood IPA. Uh, have you cracked into it yet? I have. I've been to this brewery before. Nice venue. Um, um, it's just, so uh, th- it's a fresh hop IPA. It's uh, uh, only available. I think uh, uh, it's a small distribution for this one. The 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 uh, story behind this beer. Is that uh, people in the people around the brewery who are growing hops? Um, you can harvest your hops, bring them to the brewery. Um, you get—I forget what they said—some sort of discount or something. You get there's an incentive to bring in hops. They take in all the hops, the people of of any variety and any and 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 uh, of uh, uh, any care that was taken, um, and they throw them in a pot and they brew a fresh hop with them. It's a pretty solid fresh hop. Like, I don't get any of too many flavors. Like, it's a really well-balanced fresh hop. And also, does Lewis and Clark listen to our podcast, or...? I, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I think Aaron, um, uh, uh, advised them on that one, so... Ah. But uh, uh, perhaps I do. And, and in either case, uh, uh, thank you for the beer, uh, Lewis and Clark. Uh, it's quite, it is quite good. The, the hop profile is like when you start messing with a shit ton of, of uh, different ingredients, they all kind of meld together. What you got is a, is a, uh, a, a kind of a grapefruity, floral, um, moderately high bitter, grassy, fresh hop. But it is actually quite good. Yeah, it is really nicely balanced. I was going to say, like, very well balanced. Very drinkable. I got to admit, when he said that they basically took uh, hops grown from all over the neighborhood, and we just throw them into a pot. I'm like, oh, that could be really good or really, really. <laughs> well, when you told me that when I picked up the can, I was like, oh man, like is Jeremy getting payback because I got the better taste in beer last week? Like, <laughs> no, this was this was a uh, 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 
This was this was sincere. My revenge for that. Uh, it's coming. It, <laughs> but you did it to yourself. My my revenge will be nigh, nigh. I say. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, um, shall we kick it off? Yeah, let's do it to it. All right, what do you got for us? Well, on the acquisition train right now, Tilray is on a shopping spree still. So if you're like, Tilray, that sounds familiar. They have bought Sweetwater Brewing, then purchased Green Flash Brewing. They also own Breckenridge Distilling uh, out of Colorado, and now just added their newest brewery, uh, Montauk, out of New York. Um, I just, just, just randomly, I, I, I have been following Tilray on the stock market since uh, we first started doing stories about them. Um, uh, um, basically, when they bought Sweetwater, it was, uh, and uh, a little bit of backstory, Tilray is actually one of the largest, if not the largest, distributor of cannabis products in the world. Yep. Um, that's their that's their bread and butter is uh, research, distribution, um, um, but also they're getting into a getting into a uh, uh, into craft beer. I was a little uh, uh, when we when I first started doing research on them when they bought Sweetwater. What I found out about that company was not terribly uh, uh, um, was not terribly, uh, I guess, didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Uh, at the time, their stock their stock price was at about thirteen. You want to guess what it is at now? Forty. Three point six. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe a good time to buy. I don't know. <laughs> At very least, if you you could buy a hundred, you could buy like a hundred stocks and only be out yeah you know, three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I could get piss hammered drunk at a bar for three hundred bucks. You can do that. And too. I at least have a good story. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to yeah, I bought a lot of stock that one time. Did you make any money? No, I lost it all. Mm-hmm. It did not go to the moon. It, no, it 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 cratered on the moon. <laughs> well, a uh, little backstory on Montauk. Uh, it's uh, based out of Metro New York. Uh, it's well known for its beloved product portfolio, premium price point, and distribution across 6,400 points of distribution, including placements in top national retailers such as Target, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Stop and Shop, King Colon, Walmart, 7-Eleven, Costco, BJ's, and Speedway. What the fuck is Speedway? It is a, uh, uh, well, it's like a, it's, it's just a convenience store, is it not? I don't know. I think it's a, I, I think it's just like a, a Circle K of the East Coast. Ah, uh, that would make sense. Kind of like a come and go. That is a, that is the name of a, uh, a convenience store chain in the Midwest. Yep. Um, yep. I know that one. Uh, and, uh, and... Uh, yeah, I think that's what that is. That uh, I will believe you. Uh, uh, not as good as Sheets. <laughs> Have you ever been to a Sheets? Never heard of it. Uh, it's a East Coast um, uh, convenience store, uh, but more like the uh, uh, the god of all convenience stores. It's they're impressive. They've got like they've got auto mats, usually like several different 
uh, uh, meal store. Anyway, that's we're neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, how do we get on to, like, ranking gas stations right I now? I spent a lot of time traveling. Gas th- I lived out of gas stations for five years or so. And that's the time Jeremy was homeless. <laughs> I had a home. I just never lived there. Anyway. Uh, well, so... Tilray is purchasing them uh, and planning on and leveraging Sweetwater's existing nationwide infrastructure, uh, as well as Montauk's Northeast influence, to expand their distribution network and drive profitable growth, according to the press release they put I was out. I say, that sounds exactly like red, as red as the press release. Yep. Uh, so... I mean, it kind of makes sense now seeing what they're doing is basically they said, okay, Sweetwater's our nationwide brand. Now we're going to basically start acquiring other breweries and get into the distribution network we already have in place with Sweetwater and start trying to get regional players to fill it out. You have Alpine, uh, Green Flash, and... California West Coast, Montauk up in the Northeast. Sweetwater is based out of the Southeast. Now, if I had to guess, they buy a brewery in Texas or the Midwest. Any 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 uh, uh, any guesses as to what those might be? Midwest. Um, what's a pretty? What's a? What's like a? What's a uh, uh, mid-ranged regional brewery in the Midwest? Um, you know, Three um, Floyds. Uh, Three Floyds has kind of like the, but Three Floyds has the same spirit as like Russian River does. I don't see them really interested in selling. I could very well be wrong, um, but I just don't. That the that only just, reason, the only reason I guess them is they've been around for a while. They're one of those legacy brands. Yes, they're still modernly relevant, but is the owner ready to cash out like Bell's was? Could that there is that. And um, retire. Although if I was gonna if I was gonna guess any brewer in the Indiana, I would say Sun King. Oh yeah. Um I don't know why, I just uh, that that uh, uh, uh something about that 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 one maybe uh, 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 could be a factor, but um, or heading up, uh, um, um, uh, I don't know, Colorado. Maybe a lot of uh, I feel like a lot of opportunity there, but I don't know. I guess we I guess we'll find out. I mean, they already have a slight footprint in Colorado with Breckenridge Distilling. Um, so. I guess I guess you could say Austin Beer Works out of Texas, but I think the same thing that with them with Three Floyds. I think they, I I don't know how uh, they they seem like they got their shit together. I don't see them uh, wanting to sell at the moment. Yeah, and like I said, the only reason I said Three Floyds is I'm like I could see the owner just being like, nope, I'm done. I want to retire. Someone buy this New Galaris. No. <laughs> I mean, she of- has hung her hat on <laughs> refusing to sell and specifically refusing to sell the AB. But, uh, and the fact that they're what a top 10 brewery in production and they only sell in one fucking state. Like, 
No, you're probably right. I don't. That one is. That one is. Uh, There's no stress. You're in one state. <laughs> Wisconsin's not a big state either. And they, but they do drink a lot. Yeah. Or northeast, so. maybe Allagash. Ooh, I guess they, I but, guess they got. Uh, I guess they already got like the northeast with uh, with uh, New York. Montauk. Yeah, yeah, Montauk. But well, anywho, uh, we can we we could speculate and throw out names all day, but. Um, I don't know. I, uh, still watching Tilray. I, 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 I wonder, cause it, it's, it, it seems like one of those extremely top heavy companies. Uh, they also have, they also seem there's, there's this, um, a, uh, uh, I think what scares investors a lot about them is besides paying their executive suite way too much, there is sort of a frat boy mentality among their executives that I think, uh, 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 tends to make serious investors rather skittish. So, mm-hmm. uh, I've been trying to find uh, if there's a price that was released on it, and I can't find a price. Don't know. Did you see one come through? I did not. No. Okay. But, well, yeah. we'll keep an eye Just on that. Just that the and... acquisition went through. Um, one other quick acquisition note um to follow up with the modern time kind of wrap up the modern times uh, maui deal is maui paid 10 million dollars for modern times what were they what, what what was like the the height of like the their valuation in 19 was 264 million dollars they lost a bit. Of, they lost a bit of value. Well, t- to be fair, that was what they valued themselves, and even then, it was adorable. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I'm sure the bank wasn't too happy only selling them for ten mil when they had a twenty five mil offer. Oh, that's right. And how much? So, did, do we remember how much they were in debt going into the? Or do they ever say? Because I, I know they just got su- they got sucked into receivership, and I'm not sure what uh, what the bank needed to get out of that in order to to make back their. Yeah, I can't remember. So, well, anyway. So, but yeah, I figured I saw that uh, tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot to bring it up. So I was like, "Oh, acquisition! I need to bring that up." So, <laughs> well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Distribution fight! Distribution fight! Attention, shoppers. If you look out the window, you will see a distribution fight. <clears throat> Mountain Dew. Uh, fun fact, Mountain Dew was an American term for pachin, which is an illicit alcohol made in the mountains of Ireland. Anyway, Mountain Dew became sh- a sugar drink that tasted like what would happen if a tangerine died of a meth overdose. And now, with the invention of a hard Mountain Dew, it has come full circle. I would argue proof that we all, every single one of us, are trapped in a massive murder-suicide pact. But I digress. Anyway, Hard Mountain Dew is a joint venture between PepsiCo and Sam Adams Brewery and is currently being distributed in a few states and only by a certain distributor, uh, namely Blue Cloud Distributing, which is wholly owned by PepsiCo, um, which makes, in essence, PepsiCo an odd competitor in your traditional alcohol distribution chain, which might explain the sudden brouhaha erupting uh, in some channels. For the last month or so, uh, industry trade groups have 
been positively losing their shit about two photos of retail displays. Uh, the images taken at uh, allegedly an Albertsons and the other at a Target, both in Nevada, clearly show uh, cases of hard Mountain Dew displayed in one's instance right beneath a display of Hot Wheels cars and another right next to a, a stack of Kool-Aid jammers. Um, proof, my friend, proof that PepsiCo, uh, under the guise of Blue Cloud, is marketing their sugar booze to children. Now, <laughs> the fact that PepsiCo has marketed Mountain Dew in any form to children is uh, likely enough to warrant a special place uh, in hell for their executive class, but I digress. Um, here's the catch. When people started rightly investigating the origin of these photos, they sort of kind of disappeared inside their own butthole. Uh, the National Beer Wholesaler Association was quick to use these photos as irrefutable proof that Blue Crowd... Blue Cloud was improperly merchandising these items and possibly uh, 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 making them enticing to children. But when people started asking about how and where these photos came from, they would only say that the Hot Wheels display uh, came from an Albertsons in Las Vegas, and that was taken by another beer distributor. Distributor, excuse me. And the Kool-Aid display came from a Target in Henderson, Nevada, and it was taken by quote a member of the public health community. And that is literally all they're willing to say about those. Hmm. Um, they also they added the only thing they added was in a statement in this uh, a quote. This is not about blaming specific a specific retail partner, state, or vendor, but it's important to raise a red flag about these highly concerning practices. And then they went on to blame a specific vendor, Blue Cloud, and two re retail partners, Albertsons and Target. Investigators, of course, could not find the displays. Nobody at any of the stores is aware of uh, uh, of the displays, uh, uh, although representative from Albertsons says the company is looking into the matter. Target uh, hasn't uh, said anything, although Good Beer Hunting called uh, uh, three Target stores in Henderson, but only managed to get a manager at one of those, and that person could only say that the display in question was not at their store. So in essence, whether the displays existed at all, they aren't there now. So, Cool. Case closed. <laughs> the whole situation appears to be an attempt by traditional wholesalers to just sort of cause trouble for PepsiCo in some kind of weird boozy turf war. Um, and in this instance, a product like Hard Mountain Dew is, is uh, uh, not stocked and not displayed by store employees. They are typically stocked by merchandisers that work for the distributor, hence the blame lies with Blue Cloud. But again, absence of any evidence of wrongdoing aside from a couple of pictures of dubious origin, there's really not much to go on. Um, and as to why, well, not to be a condescending asshole, but no, actually, I'm, I, I feel like I'm halfway there now, so go big or go home. Um, <laughs> merchandisers are pretty much the lowest rung on the proverbial corporate ladder in, the, uh, in, in, in most uh, 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 distributor companies. Um, you're typically not working with the brightest people, nor are you working with people who have a lot of incentive to do a good job. Um, I actually did uh, 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 that job for two whole days. Two of them. Count them. I know you won't. Um, I got hired by a temp company who assigned uh, who assigned me to the job. There are no set hours you, and no set days off. Basically, I was on, on call during business hours at all times. They would call me, tell me to go this place, 
and then this place, and then this place. By the way, I didn't have a cell phone at the time, which really pissed them off. Um, they wouldn't give me a cell phone because I was just a flunky. Um, but uh, I also didn't have one. They're like, well, you should have a cell phone. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> it's it's 1999. <laughs> or somewhere uh. along I think it was, I can't remember if it was high school or college, I don't know. But um, but yeah, a couple of days of wandering into stores and being yelled at by store directors. By the third day, uh, I just didn't answer the phone, and that was it. And the funny part is the temp agency called me later and asked if I wanted a different gig. Full-on ghosting that job was not enough for that temp, tape agency to not hire me again, if that was any indication. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I think that's more just... You, you could pass a drug test, so the temp agency's like, he's one of our best. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he, he peed in a cup and he, you know, he, he, he does basic mathematics and half the people quit that job. Um, which is a really a roundabout way of saying that those displays are most likely the result of a fuck up or just somebody who didn't give a fuck. Um, the article states that at the end, uh, um, uh, kind of basically saying that there's probably nobody cackling at themselves about getting all those pretty little children super drunk on sugar booze. More likely some overworked, underpaid flunky with no direction saw an empty space, shoved them there, and went off to continue his sad day. Uh, store employees rolled their eyes and fixed it, or a manager called they sent another flunky down to fix it. It was pretty much a daily occurrence uh, when I worked at a grocery store. Uh, uh, not stacking booths at toys, uh, per se, but random shit just plopped down wherever. So, yeah, I can see I was how... going to say, it also is, like, having to sell displays in. You're looking for whatever space you can get. And they the stores do move the stuff around. And so they may have been like, hey, can I get this end cap? And do a display with Hard Mountain Dew. And they're like, yeah. Not realizing that Hot Wheels was getting moved there too. Yeah. I mean, any number of things that could happen. I mean, I'm sure this... I'm sure in uh, you know in the monthly display uh, roundup, uh, uh, booze is pl- placed right next to stuff like that all the time. Um, before somebody goes, uh, let's not put that there for any number of reasons. And I think if it would have been anything besides... A hard Mountain Dew specifically, Absolutely. or like a flavored malt beverage. If it was like Bud Light, there wouldn't have been a blow up. Not even well, because one of the major distributors would have been involved, and they'd, you know they would just have moved it. And well, there is also the argument: Hard Mountain Dew could be conceived as just regular Mountain Dew. There is that too, uh, although it's pretty. Uh, I, I I don't know the the cases are pretty pretty well marked, but. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the, to me, the real story is, uh, is how threatened, uh, the traditional, uh, distribution chain are by Pepsi and, uh, the diabetes in a can they are selling. Well, I also saw something on Twitter when this whole thing was starting to scuff up. Uh, I think Pepsi is in the process of trying to revamp like three tier laws across the country. So they can just bring Hard Mountain Dew in-house fully. Because right now, with how it is, why they have to have their own separate distributor is because if they did, it is illegal for beer wine distributors to pay for shelf space. Right. Soda, it is not. 
And, so that's yeah. that's where it becomes if they brought it all into just the PepsiCo, there is a group of people that think how the law would be interpreted is they could then no longer pay for Pepsi's shelf space because it could be conceived as, oh, if Hard Mountain Dew gets a better shelf space, people could turn and say, well, they just paid more for their Pepsi shelf space and to get a better shelf space for this, so they're paying to play and have some legal issues arise out of that. I mean, so that's plenty, why they're trying to change it. I mean, there's plenty of shenanigans already in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in how it is on the alcohol side. I mean... For example, one of our local uh, distributors uh, actually writes the uh, uh, the set uh, uh, the set list for uh, uh, some of the local stores. The one I worked mm-hmm. at, which I thought was fucking adorable. Yeah, I mean they they all do. Usually, it rotates. Yeah, and no, you I, have different set captains. But but um, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, they seem to be. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that their uh, fear isn't warranted. I'm just I kind of watch going. Uh, you guys are a little afraid, aren't you? I don't know if it's so much afraid as they're trying to actively get out ahead of it and trying to protect their business uh, and I'm getting not, territorial. I'm not saying they're you know shitting down both legs in fear. I'm think I'm saying that they're 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 worried enough to go let's let's try to cause some trouble before this becomes an issue. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye on that, Tyler. What's next? Well. Could beer be the cure for Alzheimer's? I don't remember. You tell me. <laughs> I was like, beer most of the time makes me forget shit. That's kind of why I drink it. Uh, this is an article on fizz.org uh, from the American Chemical Society where they took a look at hops from beer, uh, whether the compounds of those hops could actually help protect against Alzheimer's. Um, so they kind of break down... Uh, what they did and uh, what the results were, which I was like, this is kind of interesting and beer might be kind of good for you. Science. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not. We're all going to die uh, 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 of liver failure uh, any minute now, but I mean, we won't be forgetting shit while we do so. Yep. So recent research published in the ACS Chemical Neuroscience Reports that chemicals... my favorite uh, my favorite report actually <laughs> yep uh, chemicals extracted from hot flowers can in lab dishes inhibit the clumping of amyloid beta proteins which is associated with Alzheimer's disease um, which if you're unfamiliar with Alzheimer's do you live under a rock uh, but it's memory loss personality change in older adults typically Um and the big difficulty in treating this disease is the time lag between the start of the underlying biochemical process and the onset of symptoms, with several years separating them. So this means that irreversible damage happens to the nervous system before one even realizes they have the disease. Uh, so they're trying to come up with preventative strategies and therapeutics that can intervene before symptoms appear giving patients the best chance of uh, having no symptoms or more mild symptoms. 
one of these strategies uh, <laughs> involves nutraceuticals uh, or foods that have some type of medicinal or nutritional function. Um, so what they did was they took uh, four different type, four common varieties of hops, used a method similar to what is used in the brewing process, uh, and then in tests they found that the extracts from the hops had antioxidant properties and could prevent amyloid beta proteins from clumping in human nerve cells. Uh, Jeremy, would you like to guess what the most successful hop strain they used was? Oh, let me think here. Um, well, let, let me just, uh, I'm going to, let me just assume that the, that the uh, extract is somehow tied to the alpha, uh, the, 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 the alpha acids, for lack of any other uh, uh, data on it. Um, and uh, a fairly common high alpha hop, I'm going to say Centennial. No, I'll give you three more guesses. Okay. Can I get a hint? Am I, I am I anywhere close with the high alphas? No. Okay. Is it a is it a relatively new strain or a very old strain? Older. British or German? Take another guess. Fuggles. No. Hallertar. No. Um. Am I anywhere correct with the the British or the German? Uh, you were close with the holler towel. Uh, Tetniger. Yep. All right, cool. <laughs> the Tetnag hop, uh, which found in many lagers and lighter ales, when that extract was separated into fractions, the one containing a high level of polyphenols showed the most potent antibiotic and aggregation inhibiting activity. It also promoted process that allowed the body to clear out misfolded neurotoxic proteins. Never in my life did I think I was going to read that sentence on this podcast. It, 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 you took some uh, time with it. You were like, even your face said, I can't believe I have to pronounce this, this sentence right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, they then tested the Tetnag extract in a C. elegans model and found that it protected the worms from Alzheimer's-related paralysis. Though the effect was not very pronounced, the researchers say that although this work may not justify drinking more bitter beers right now, it shows hop compounds could serve as the basis for uh, the combat of the development of Alzheimer's. But you're, but you're also not saying that uh, drinking hoppy beer is not going to, uh, uh, not not going to help. I mean, they didn't say it was going to hurt. So in my mind, you know, a nice hoppy beer with some tet in it once a day will keep the Alzheimer's away. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, so you should always drink at least one beer, maybe two, just to. Um, uh, to ironically not forget later, but not too many, because then you'll forget now. I was going to say, I mean, you have too many, you're going to forget, then you just counterintuitive. <laughs> Jeremy, what do we got? 
Uh, in defense of cold IPA news now, speaking of uh, uh, hoppy beers, uh, this comes from an interview uh, that Beer and Brewing did with uh, Kevin Davey, uh, the head brewer at Wayfinder Brewing in Portland, Oregon, who is basically the originator of the much maligned cold IPA. Tyler, what is your opinion of a cold IPA? I like them. Yeah? Yeah, it's, it's what Brute IPA was trying to be, but they did it completely wrong. So most of the cold IPAs, they have that nice crisp finish. It's similar to a hoppy lager. Uh, but when done right, you get that real bright hop flavor, and it finishes nice and easy drinking. My only problem with I mean, well, like most fad uh, uh, IPA styles, um, the, the quality range goes everywhere from exceptionally good to mediocre at best yeah and the and from a uh a retail uh side uh for for me it's always tough to you know people go well what does a cold ipa mean and i (laughs) kind of go well i mean there are there's there's the standard definition which is what i will go into here um but it's been reinterpreted and reinterpreted and i don't know man just drink it if you like it drink another one Yep. So, the best way, I know it's different than an IPL. I get that, blah, 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 blah. But if you tell someone it's going to be most closely related to just a IPL where it's very crisp, easy drinking, but you get a good amount of hot flavor. The original cold IPA and the ones that kind of followed that model are different from an IPL. I'm not convinced that everybody that slapped the the, the phrase "cold IPA" on their uh, on their IP, on their IPA is appreciably different from an IPL. Fair enough. Um, and I feel when this was first starting up as a style, we talked about an article that had this guy in it. Most likely, I mean, we've definitely talked about Wayfair and uh, uh, and uh, uh, and the head brewer, but. Um, the original uh, cold IPA called Relapse IPA, uh, named after the 30th anniversary of Relapse Records, uh, was basically, as you said, the answer to a brute IPA, um, which you know, which was the uh, the style where everybody decided to just dump champagne yeast into an IPA and see what happened. And what happened was you ended up with something so, was something akin to what would happen if uh, you took a badly made hop water and spiked it with bathtub vodka. Um, <laughs> Am I wrong, Tyler? Am I wrong? No, no. Because <laughs> there were I some... had one good, col- uh, one good brewed IPA. Who was it? Anderson Valley's. I, I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, I only had one. I'm like, yeah, it was uh, ironically n- nothing against Anderson Valley. I love you guys. You're not known for your IPAs, but that one was a good one. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, I think at one point in time, I believe I had Mad Sweets. Uh, oh, here, I think Mad Sweet did a pretty good job. Yeah, too. here in town, I think they did a, a pretty good one. Um, but yeah, the rest of them were at best undrinkable. Um, but uh, 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 anyway, um, he uh, uh, he came up with the idea of a super dry, crisp, but highly drinkable IPA. And he labeled it a cold IPA kind of as a nod to uh, to the process that went into it. But also, it turns out just to be kind of a dick. 
Uh, as he points out, cream ale has no cream. Dry beers are actually quite wet, if you notice. And uh, all beer is cold, so why not a cold IPA? Um, uh, I bet Coors Light got so pissed. They're like, well, we cold brew. We... <laughs> right? It turns out his creation was a huge hit. And suddenly, because there's only about 200 people in the entire beer world... Um, and all of them su- subscribe to this podcast, by the way. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, everyone wanted to make a cold IPA. Some got in touch with Davey. Um, on the top of his list is Sean O'Sullivan of 21st Amendment, who uh, who has brewed a few uh, 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 cold IPAs following uh, Davey's original idea. Um, but uh, 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 a lot of them just kind of did their own thing. Uh, they saw that cold IPA was big right now, or at least that a beer labeled cold IPA was big right now. They guessed as to what it meant and brewed something. Um, my favorite cold IPA moment was uh, with Odell. Uh, they brewed uh, they brewed one that they brought into town on a very limited run, um, and we got a keg of it. And it really was like the perfect combination of like lager, IPA, super dry, super crisp, highly drinkable. Um, I don't know if they consulted uh, Davey, but uh, uh, for me, that was a, a moment of like, yes, this is a lager. It's crisp. It's clean. It's dangerously drinkable, but it's also an IPA, the tropical fruit, citrus, not a hazy like Miller Lite, but with a tropical hop burst, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my local sales guy, and to his defense, I kind of put him on the spot. Uh, when he was selling me the keg, I asked him you know, what his, or at least Odell's, definition of a cold IPA was. And what I got back was basically the beer rep version of, I don't know, man, I just work here. Um, and to his credit, Davey went out into the world, and I actually ran across him a couple of times in his attempt, um, as he put it in the interview, to pee all over it. Uh, or, you know... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, try to try to put up the uh, lines of what a cold IPA is uh, and get a hint of a trend he was quickly losing control of. Uh, he said he talked to bloggers and podcasters, but, um, and this is the critical problem, he wasn't on this podcast, and that was his downfall. Uh, <laughs> if he was on this podcast, cold IPA would be an official BJCP uh, uh, style, be rigidly uh, defended. Uh, I think even like the Germans would like uh, would put very strict definitions uh, on it and uh, uh, immediately uh, set fire to any brewery that uh, brewed a cold IPA it, without following their uh, recommendation. It would be the only ipa allowed at oktoberfest absolutely yes uh, all, all you'd have because we have you and i have huge pull uh on oktoberfest so yeah um, just throwing that out there um <laughs> that's my story anyway so anyway uh what is a cold ipa i'm going to tell you according to davies ready okay yes. for, first he's he admits that it's difficult to make well and i know i've lost like three fourths of y'all um like it's hard. I didn't sign up for hard. I went. I went and bought me a brewery with Daddy's money, and I was supposed to be making magic money, but instead they keep asking me for checks. Um, and for the rest of you, the secret is in the grain. He recommends twenty to forty percent rice or corn mashed with Pilsner malt, which makes okay. That's that was the thing I never knew about, which suddenly made a whole lot of sense, and I don't know why I didn't assume that from the get go, because especially like rice would. It's a, almost fermentable. Yeah, you you you, at, you know, corn to a lesser extent. I feel like corn leaves a well corn flavor behind. Rice is super neutral, and that seems like a, an ideal thing to 
to dry out a beer. I actually, uh, uh, on my IPAs anymore, I use quite a lot of dextrose, uh, corn sugar to just to uh, uh, to dry them out. Um, and you're looking for a dry finishing yeast, speaking of which, somewhere in the 82 to 88% attenuation. Um, lager okay. yeast is used, but at warmer temperatures, with lager yeast that can handle that kind of environment. And we're talking soft lager 3470. Or like the German ale yeast from Y yeast. Uh, Kolsch is another one. I was going to say, you're basically making a, a hoppy Kolsch. Uh, California Common is used. I suspect Cry Havoc is on, is on there. And ironically, dry hops go in warm, which is to say mid-fermentation. I was not aware that he was doing that. Um, uh, it's the same technique used in a lot of your hazy IPAs. You will, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you will, uh, uh, you'll actually add the hops at high Krausen when fermentation is at its most active. You want that biotransformation that comes with the hops interacting interacting with an actively fermenting yeast. Uh, so uh, uh, drop those those dry hops in when the foam is at its peak. Um, basically, you're looking for a hazy but with none of the haze or anything else that makes a hazy a hazy except for the tropical fruit hop profile. So there you go. You can all go and make good, uh, uh, true, true to style, style. Uh, 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 cold IPAs. And uh, now if you uh, ask me what a cold IPA is, you're going to get that get that long screen. And anybody that is like, I just wanted a beer, man. <laughs> then don't ask me about beer. <laughs> You're like, you should have just said, give me the dumb person explanation. And I go, it's an IPL. <laughs> yep. But different. I don't know, man. I just work here. Tyler, what do you got first? Well, might have found one of our podcast listeners' new dream job. Um, if one of you does get this job, you do need to credit us in your blog post. Uh, but a company out of Vail, Colorado, um, wants to send someone on a two-year RV trip where they are visiting breweries and distilleries almost every day. And all you have to do is drink free beverages while at the locations, drive around an RV that they pimped out for you and uh, do some blog posts and uh, social media on it. Pretty simple, right? Sounds easy enough. Uh, why are we not already doing this? Because I we mean, actually kind of suck at social media, to be honest. We're not really all that great at, I mean, you don't do it at all. And I, I'm about as proficient as a, as a, a concussed donkey on social, social media, but. Well, let me hop into this. Uh, also, I don't think our wives and children would be happy with us being gone for two years. Um, yeah, but I think it'd probably be good for us. Possibly. So Harvest House, uh, which is a membership program offering RVers access to unique RV camping options across North America, posted a job for their Ale Blazer. Uh, the task at hand is visit all 500 plus Harvest Host brewery and distillery host locations across the country and turn all those stops into North America's ultimate ale trail. Um, so to facilitate this, they will give you 
uh, a decked out RV to be used to spend one night at each location with over 500 locations. Um, and they will cover all beverages at local breweries and distilleries, uh, as well as give you a lifetime Harvest Host membership. So basically, from what I've gathered on the Harvest Host, is they partner with these breweries, distilleries, RV parks, uh, so their members can go in, pull up to this spot, be like, hey, we're with Harvest Host, show their Harvest Host membership, and you get a place to stay for that night in your RV. You park your RV, you have a place to stay, and then you can continue on your way. Sweet. Near uh, a brewery or a distillery, I assume, <coughs> which, which means stumbling uh, distance from wherever you're uh, currently getting your booze on. Yep. 500 plus to be exact of breweries and distilleries. I'm actually kind of impressed. That's I'm like, I've never heard of one and there's 500 scattered randomly throughout the country. Yeah. Uh, as for actual pay, they're willing to pay you a daily stipend of $50. <laughs> so it's not actually a job that you can do. It's more like, uh, it's, it's, for those who already have like a passive source of income, here's something you could do to kill two years and basically not have to pay any money for. Or if you don't have really any expenses, you, I mean, you're driving around, you're getting free drinks, and you live rent free in an RV. But you still have to eat food. I mean, that's. But $50 a day of food? Eh, that's actually, no, you can do pretty well with that, yes. Yeah. Even so, I mean, even with uh, even with uh, 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 eating out being as as expensive as it is is now, I mean, you know, you can do pretty well on fifty bucks a day. Yeah, or eat grocery shop. You're in an RV. You have a kitchen in your RV. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Uh, so the work itself. Um, so like I said, you get free drinks. Uh. You are asked to leave a review for each location and document the trip on social media while using all of this information to design the best route for future travelers. And if all goes well, uh, they are willing to offer the person a job designing road trips for all types of interests and experience levels from an alpaca farm trail to a winery route to a golf course journey. <laughs> uh, the only requirements that they list are have a valid U.S. driver's license, be able to drive an RV, okay, and be over the age of 21. I'm old, I, I have those three things. Uh, to apply, they also want you to provide evidence of your love of breweries and distilleries with <laughs> images and videos highly recommended. We've got that now, don't we? <laughs> yep. Several I'm days like, worth of content. <laughs> I'm like, dude, if we both were single... I would 100% be like, fuck it, Jeremy. Let's do this. Uh, let's go travel around. Let's run the podcast from the road in the RV. At that point in time, we, we'd go from being podcast partners to being hetero life mates. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, uh, I, it's it's a questionable existence uh, uh, in, in, in that, I don't know, in that reality where you and I are living together out of an RV... <laughs> Living in a van down by the river. 
No, you don't understand. That's now. I mean, I think. I, I think. Uh, you know, at the time, that was a, a, a curse. Now, living in a van down by the river, given the housing market, I think that's a. Yeah, you're 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 doing quite well for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, people. I think maybe people aspire to living in a van down by the river. Yeah, that that's the new hip thing. If you're poor, that's that's looked down upon. But if you're rich, that's being environmentally conscious. <laughs> Uh, well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Uh, Thanksgiving beer news now. Uh, this comes from Food and Wine by uh, Jellica Castadale. Uh, Tyler, what beer would you pair with the traditional pumpkin pie? Think about it. This is this is this is going to be on the final. I would say a brown or an amber. Uh, I think I'd go with stout. I mean, you could go with uh, you, you you could go with a, a a sweet stout for a complimentary. But also keep in mind that uh, uh, that bitterness also uh, uh, works as a contrast to a uh, mm-hmm. to a lot of uh, uh, to a lot of sweet. Um, so uh, there, I think like a uh, a IPA like RPM would uh, uh, the Boneyard RPM uh, comes to mind. Yeah, that like very true to style Northwest. OG IPA. Yeah, that's the first one that comes to mind. But um, well, if if you on the other hand are a bit flummoxed by a beer pie pairing or just want to have the most options available for this year's festivities, fear not. Blue Moon has come to your rescue in a collaboration with Melissa Benache, the founder of Baked by Melissa. Blue Moon. Oh, I thought you said New Belgium when we were talking about this in the pre-show discussion. <laughs> Blue Moon. Not New Belgium. Uh, yeah, I did see this now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're with us. You. You. you we, we on the yeah. same page. Okay. Cool. Um, is temporarily offering their uh, offering a package of uh, little miniature pies that one could use to replace the iconic orange slice on a glass of Blue Moon to cover up the fact that you're drinking Blue Moon. <clears throat> um, the pies in question are a spiced citrus pumpkin pie with a touch of orange slices that is paired with, of course, uh, the original Blue Moon. Um, Coconut citrus with a, quote, decadent orange coconut filling uh, for a glass of moon haze. And a mango and pineapple custard pie filled to fill, uh, sorry, a mango and pineapple custard filled pie to pair with light sky citrus wheat. Um, uh, Benache stated, whenever I come up with a, a new cupcake flavor or write a new recipe, I'm focused on getting that perfect bite. With Blue Moon Pints, you get the perfect pint and sip. Uh, if you want to get your hand on a pie and a pint, uh, well, you can't. Actually, I checked uh, uh, just a little bit ago before I uh, uh, before I uh, brought up this podcast, and they are sold out. Uh, the three po- the three pack of uh, uh, pies were only available on the Blue Moon website uh, for eighteen dollars plus shipping and handling. And it should be noted that uh, um, that those were only the miniature pies. Uh, if you wanted to actually pair them with the beer, you had to provide that shit yourself. They were only selling like the little the little three pack of pies. Um, uh. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, now you just have to make your own pie because uh, they're all gone. So if uh, I feel like I've just wasted your time, but if you're listening to this podcast, well, if any of our listeners want to create three little pies that they think can pair better with three beers that you can get. In the Boise area, make the pies. Let us know. We'll 
buy the beer, you bring the pies, we'll have you on the podcast, and we'll let you know how you did. I mean, Thanksgiving is on a regular uh, uh, a regular podcast uh, uh, recording night for us. Uh, we could, uh, uh, after the normal Thanksgiving uh, 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 festivities, uh, just get together and just get uh, uh, whacked on uh, booze and pie. My fat ass ain't making it that far. <laughs> Not even for pie? No, the pie would have to come to me. <laughs> You fat little shit. Yes. Won't even run for pie. <laughs> yes. Except for Thanksgiving. Pie is ubiquitous. Uh, yeah. Pie comes to you. Tyler, do you have anything else for us? Yeah. Uh, some sad news for uh, Tennessee football college football fans. Uh, the city of Knoxville is trying to suspend a beer license for Aramark at Neyland Stadium, uh, where the Tennessee Volunteers play football, because they've had three issues this season at home games of serving a minor. Uh, so they requested to pull. They spend all day t- uh, working coal or copper or iron. They deserve a drink at the end of the day. I mean, come on. Yep. So they're holding a public <laughs> hearing. Skip over. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, to present the evidence to support the city's request that the permit be suspended for a period of no less than sixty days, Ooh. and that the permit permittee pay a fine of no less than fifteen hundred per violation. There was three violations for a total of forty five hundred dollars. And just to give you an idea. That football stadium holds about 100,000 people. So the Aramark employees were like, hey, you know, it's kind of hard when basically we have a miniature city that develops in this small area where everyone's trying to get beverages. uh, And we're trying to check. They had a couple issues uh, where their scanners stopped working. Um so they had to go to manually checking IDs uh, and they had some slip through. They said they go through, uh, there's 160 booths that sell uh, alcohol in the stadium. And with a sellout crowd, they average about 40,000 alcoholic beverages sold each game. Damn. So, I'm like, Tennessee fans are going to be pissed if they can't drink the rest of the season. Three out of 40,000. That's, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty good, uh, uh, that's a pretty good ratio. I just, yeah. I feel and like that should be taken into consideration. It's really three out of 120,000 because it was one each game. Okay. So yeah, even less than that. So your success rate is actually fairly high. I think they, I mean, they're, I, I, I feel like they're far better than TSA. I've managed yeah. to. I think I, I think I managed to fly uh, uh, with a knife accidentally concealed in one of my bags to three different airports before someone finally said, you know, you have a knife in your pocket in your in, in your bag, to which I go, really? This is like the third airport I've been to. <laughs> Good job there. <laughs> Good job there, Stucky. <laughs> You're making me feel super good. <laughs> but. Let's all send a prayer to Tennessee fans that they can at least still keep drinking. I mean, uh, um, 
I, I, I don't know much about Tennessee football, but I'm going to guess that in order to uh, uh, get through a game, you need to be half off your tits. Uh, they're actually having a great year this I year. I have no fucking idea. There's a, it was equal, equal parts, uh, equal chance that they were absolutely uh, shitting the bed, in which case, uh, you, you need a beer or, or, or if they're doing good, you need, you know, they were number one till they lost last weekend and to Georgia. All right. So, um, well, uh, good job, Tennessee. Uh, you're, you're still an awful state with, uh, uh nothing to, to recommend you except for. Uh, you, you once had a, 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 a Elvis Presley. He was there, but he, he, he's, he's horrible. So, uh, And Graceland sucks. Uh, it's Have you been that to that travesty? No! <laughs> I got suckered into going when I was uh, uh, in Memphis, and I regretted every moment of it. The only place I wanted, wanted to go into in Memphis was B.B. King's bar when he was still alive. To hear him play in person and I skipped it one year on spring break and then he died like three months later so you're saying you killed BB King is that's what I'm hearing no but just I mean he, he was waiting for you and you didn't show up and then he died <laughs> is, what I'm, is, is, is how I interpret that story um, so uh, you killed a blues legend how do you feel about yourself well Guess I'm gonna have to drown my sorrows. Okay, well this has been uh, it's all beer. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, we put all the stories we uh, uh, we used to make this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, for now, I guess we'll see what we'll see what's left of Twitter after a few uh, after uh, a uh, a bit of this. But uh, for now, you can find all the stories on our Twitter account. It's all beer one. Um, maybe I should check to see if it's all beer is finally available. <laughs> <laughs> or call Uncle Elon and see if we can buy it. There we go. I don't want to pay any money for it, though. I'll give him $5. Okay. <laughs> uh, Instagram, we put up uh, uh, some fun pictures. Uh, and Facebook, you can find that at It's All Beer. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, it's all beer at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a review, you can do so on Facebook or on, uh, on uh, uh, iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get this podcast. Uh, yeah, put a put a few put a few nice words uh, uh, that you know makes Tyler squeal a little bit, um, just like that. Uh, and uh, uh, and yeah, uh, it, uh, that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna have a beer. No, I forgot what I was doing. Have one. You'll you'll remember. Okay, cool.